You're listening to Seed of the Woman, a podcast dedicated to telling the grandest story of all and to exposing the mystery of 666. Seed of the Woman is produced by the Gospel Story Arc Project, using the science of story to better tell who Jesus is. It's your story, too. Hello, everyone. Randall Gilmore here. Previously on Seed of the Woman, I shared that 666 is a number mathematically connected to the sun and to its annual circuit through the 36 constellations of the zodiac, the number of constellations visible in the northern hemisphere. Originally, God meant for the sun to be a sign pointing to him as creator and to the seed of the woman, whom Malachi says will rise with healing in his wings, ushering in the promised restoration of all things on the day the Lord acts. But Satan and his seed corrupted the significance of the sun, deceiving people into believing that their knowledge of the sun and of the rest of the heavens contained the secrets of spiritual power that would enable them to cope, perhaps even overcome, in their struggle living in a fallen world. From then until now, Satan has been working in the sons of disobedience to believe the very same lies. And though his story features a diversity of tales and myths, it's possible to connect the dots, leading up to the end-time political leader who comes on the scene someday to form a political, economic, and religious empire, exploiting the mystery and the corruption of 666. Now, in this episode, I tell the story of the first political leader to make 666 his number in open rebellion against God. And though he lived long ago, and though most know his story only in bits and pieces, his beliefs and values pulsate throughout the worldview of everyone on the side of the seed of the serpent, even today. And as I've already mentioned numerous times, someday his worldview will outright control all political, economic, and religious activity around the world. I'll take a quick break and return shortly with this part of the story. I want to use the break this episode to say thanks for the tremendous response to Seed of the Woman. Seed of the Woman and the Gospel Story Art Project overall would not be possible without the prayers and support of listeners like you. We know that the end of the age is rapidly approaching. Just this week, for example, the news featured headlines out of the United Nations promoting what they're calling the Great Reset, which is moving the world closer to embracing the beliefs, values, and worldview associated with the mystery of 666. So at the Gospel Story Art Project, we're doing everything we can to better tell who Jesus is using the science of story and to foster appreciative love for him as we prepare ourselves and others for Jesus' return. 
To learn more about the Gospel Story Arc project, visit gospelstoryarc.org. The man I spoke of at the end of the last episode, the first man to exploit the mystery of 666, the man is Nimrod, great-grandson of Noah, a man the book of Genesis calls, quote, a mighty hunter before the Lord. But Nimrod should be even more famous for something else. He was the builder of Babel and its tower, and the first man to leverage the mystery of 666 into a political, economic, and religious empire. Here's how the story goes in Scripture. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord God said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, I first heard of the Tower of Babel early in my childhood, but for whatever reason, no one told me about the connection to Nimrod, much less to the mystery of 666. I remember hearing about the tower's extraordinary height, a tower intended to soar into the sky, as the King James Version of the Bible puts it, a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. As I grew older, someone explained that the words may reach do not appear in the Hebrew text of the story. The translators supplied them to smooth out the reading in English. The same person said that the phrase is likened would make the meaning more clear, a tower whose top is likened unto heaven. I found the difference interesting, but not game-changing. I still wondered what Nimrod and his followers had in mind. And why would God take such offense at what they had done? And what benefit was there to confusing their language and dispersing them over the face of all the earth? Why didn't God just destroy the tower? And what exactly did God mean when he said, This is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them? I wish I could say I began a relentless pursuit to answer these questions, but I didn't, so I can't. Instead, I settled on the idea that God punished the builders of Babel because they refused to obey an earlier command to spread out and fill the earth, and then I moved on. A story you move on from is the way a lot of people view the Babel story. Tucked between the story of Noah and the story of Abraham, two very major Bible characters, the story of the Tower of Babel seems like the biblical equivalent of flyover country. But recently I've begun to take a renewed interest in what happened in this pivotal story and its connections to the larger story of Scripture and to the mystery of 666. 
and that means a renewed interest in Nimrod. The Bible first mentions Nimrod in Genesis chapter 10. Here's what it says. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, rehoboth Ir, and Kala, that is, the great city. So Nimrod was the sixth son of Cush, Cush being the first of the four sons of Ham, Ham being the youngest son of Noah. This makes Nimrod Ham's grandson and the great-grandson of Noah himself. Now the biblical text does not tell us how old Ham's descendants were when they fathered their children as it does for the line of Shem, Noah's oldest son. It tells us that Shem's first son, Arpachshad, was born two years after the flood, and Arpachshad's oldest son, Shelah, was born 35 years later. The tally of these years indicates the presence of a fourth generation of Noah's descendants on earth 37 years after the flood. Nimrod himself was a member of this fourth generation, although, as already mentioned, he was sixth among Cush's sons. This means that Nimrod's birth was likely many years after year 37. We just don't know how many. But whatever year it was, many more years would have passed prior to Nimrod's rising to power over Babel. Nimrod and his followers built the Tower of Babel in open rebellion against God, and as they put it, to make a name for themselves. Their drive to do this, to make a name for themselves, links back to something awful that happened as Noah, his sons, and their families settled into life in a post-flood world. According to the Genesis account, Noah planted a vineyard and made wine from it. On one occasion, he drank the wine, became drunk, and lay uncovered in his tent. Ham, Noah's youngest son, saw his father and told his brothers. But unlike Ham, his older brothers did not look on Noah. Instead, they took a garment laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered their father's nakedness. Now, whatever the shameful thing was that Ham did, his older brothers, Shem and Japheth, refused to do. So when Noah awoke from his drunkenness and learned what happened, he announced a curse on Canaan, Ham's youngest son. Meanwhile, Noah announced blessings on Shem and Japheth, blessings that singled out Shem and his family as the line of the promised seed of the woman. In other words, Noah's blessing meant that the seed of the woman and all of the blessings of restoration God promised to shower on the world through him would come through Shem. The blessing, combined with Noah's curse on Canaan, didn't go over well with Ham and the rest of his sons. By the time Nimrod came onto the scene, the family's displeasure turned into full-blown anger and into bitter resentment and ultimately to outright rebellion against God. And that takes us to Nimrod's name, which means, let us rebel. It's one way we know that Ham's entire family was caught up in resenting Noah's curse against Canaan, because Nimrod was not the progeny of Canaan, but of Cush, Canaan's oldest brother. Cush's use of the name, let us rebel, for the name of his son, indicates he had joined his father, and likely all of the other siblings, in the bitter resentment against Noah and the curse. Meanwhile, Nimrod's epitaph, 
a mighty hunter before the Lord, does not refer simply to his skills as a gamesman on safari, but like the meaning of his name, it refers instead to his being given over to anger and rebellion against God. I'll share more about the epitaph in a future episode. For now, back to what the people said as they joined Nimrod in building the tower. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The Hebrew word for name happens to be Shem, and as mentioned earlier, Shem is the name his son Noah blessed after he announced the curse on Canaan. So Noah's curse on Canaan, followed by his blessing on Shem, led Ham and his descendants to believe that Noah's curse cut them off from any hope of participating in the blessings associated with the seed of the woman and God's plan. And when the opportunity presented itself under the leadership of Nimrod, the mighty hunter, they turned away from the word of God spoken through Noah, determined to make a Shem for themselves. But how would building a tower with a top like the heavens make a Shem for them? And where does 666 factor in? Answers to these and other questions will take us much deeper into the story, so we're just getting started. More next time on Seed of the Woman.